Hello and welcome back to another edition of Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. Sometimes it's tricky settling on what to talk to you about here every week. Other times it's easy and this week is one of those. Though I have to thank uh, Professor Peter Foss uh, for a brilliant analysis to the extent that gobbledygook can in fact be analysed of a particularly nasty piece of legislation in our pipeline and which has already passed through the cabinet. I always try to make a point here in my columns, that while South Africa may be collapsing structurally, the vital thing is that we remain a democracy. President Sir Ramaphosa himself said about a year or so ago, when asked on TV about some threat or other to take him to court, he said, let them go ahead. It's a free country. And it is. Gloriously so. And we shouldn't forget it. Obviously, I know I can't, or you can't eat a vote. You can't eat your freedom of speech. But take those things away from a poor and hungry citizen. And this becomes a truly, truly miserable place. Nonetheless, the cabinet has read, although I bet nobody really did, and passed the General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill of 2023. And it will now proceed to make its way through Parliament. And if it were to pass unchallenged and unamended, it would make a grotesque annex to our future as a free people and as a free nation. The bill says to Foss in a piece in Daily Maverick, and he teaches, by the way, constitutional law at Stellenbosch University, the bill signals a radical change in how the government, at least formally, views national security and in the role it believes intelligence agencies should play in protecting this national security. It becomes clear when you compare the proposed change to the definition of national security in the new bill the draft bill, with the current definition in Section 1 of the National Strategic Intelligence Act. Currently, the National Strategic Intelligence Act defines national security like this. It's the protection of the people of South Africa and the territorial integrity of the Republic against, among others, violent attacks, terrorism, sabotage, and serious violence directed at overthrowing the constitutional order. The current definition explicitly explicitly excludes lawful political activity, advocacy, protest or dissent from activities that could ever threaten national security. The bill, as such as drafted, wants to turn this all on its head, says DeFoss, proposing a new definition for national security that is as vague as it is confusing. The bill states, National security means the measures, activities and the capabilities of the state to pursue, advance any opportunity or potential opportunity and the security of the Republic and its people, including national interests and national values as contemplated in Section 198 of the Constitution. Now, if you didn't think that I read out uh, a paragraph to you in English, I haven't, because this is the most poorly drafted thing Well, it's not the most poorly drafted thing I've ever seen, but it's extremely badly drafted. Section 189 of the Constitution, I have it in front of me, I have a little copy of the Constitution with me, says the following. The following principles govern national security in the Republic. 1. or A. National security must reflect the resolve of South Africans as individuals and as a nation to live as equals, to live in peace and harmony, to be free from fear and want and to seek a better life. B. To resolve to live in peace 
and harmony precludes any South African citizen from participating in armed conflict. C. National security must be pursued in compliance with the law, including international law. D. National security subject to the authority of Parliament and the National Executive. Well, Parliament and the National Executive are exactly where this is heading towards, I guess. Um, And this is why NGOs, and I guess even the media, need to watch out. Greta Mantasha, who's the Minister of Minerals and Energy, and as we know, also the Chairman of the ANC, very close to Cyril, or maybe a rival of Cyril. We never know day to day how they're getting on. Mantasha already equates NGOs with a form of terrorism because they've taken legal action against these wilder attempts to make South Africa energy independent by exploring and drilling at sea for fossil fuels like oil and gas. And more lately, uh, ministers like Kumbuzo and Chaveni, minister in the presidency and nominally in charge of intelligence, They've also blamed NGOs for stopping the state, um, in this case, from clearing people out of illegally occupied occupied buildings. You know, you remember the fire in Joburg the other day that killed 77 people. One of the first people on the scene was the good minister in Chaveni, blaming away individuals or NGOs uh, without whose interference the building would have been gloriously empty. Nobody would have got hurt and uh, everything would have been okay. It's actually against the law to remove people uh, from a building they occupy unless you can find somebody else, somewhere else, for them to stay. Ask the mayor of Cape Town, he'll be able to tell you that. Um, so a lot of money is legitimately in South Africa currently to ensure that NGOs like these can do their jobs. It's mainly humanitarian and environmental uh, work. A lot of money goes into education. I know people who are building toilets, uh, replacing pit toilets in um, in rural schools with help from, with some help from foreign money. Um, there's certainly some of the court actions against uh, exploration off the wild coast for oil was funded from abroad. Um, this is normal. It's happened forever. In the struggle days, Uh, Foreign funds were used to defend uh, political prisoners, members of the ANC, uh, from the police and and prison wardens and and the legal system. And today that money and the NGOs who spend it are being demonized by the political descendants of the very people it used to protect. Now if you run an NGO, you're going to need state permission to do your job if this bill gets passed. It's an absolutely revolting, nauseating, pathetic proposition. De Force continues, To the extent that the definition is comprehensible at all, and it really, really isn't. I should read that again, actually. Um, It's quite something. Listen to this. This is the new bill on what national security is. National security means the measures, activities, and the capabilities of the state to pursue, advance, nothing after that, pursue, advance any opportunity or potential opportunity and the security of the Republic and its people, including national interests and national values as contemplated in Section 198 of the Constitution, which I just read. I mean, it is complete gobbledygook, but nonetheless, um, you know, there are mad people in government, we know this, and they think that this is all just fine and they're going to go ahead and try and get Parliament to vote yes to it. And 
given the makeup of Parliament, they've got a fairly good chance of succeeding. So de force, to the extent that the definition is comprehensible at all, it vastly expands the concept of national security by jettisoning the principle that national security essentially deals with threats to the constitutional order. In its place, we get a vague, all-encompassing definition that would potentially turn almost any matter that could impact on the ability of the state, and the drafters probably conflate the state with the government, to advance, quote, any opportunity or potential opportunity. Think, you know, offshore oil, offshore gas, um, uh, sand mining in northern Ponderland, to pursue, among others, national values into an, to convert all of those into national security matters. It makes things worse, he says, that the definition links these opportunities to the national interests and national values. These are notoriously vague concepts, often invoked by semi-authoritarian governments, well, I wouldn't say semi-authoritarian governments, around the world to justify anti-democratic measures targeting critics and political opponents. What is weird is that the General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill comes out of a very sensible review of the way we gather intelligence, and this was ordered by Ramaphosa back in 2018, soon after he came into office. In the wake of the gross politicization of the spy agencies during Jacob Zuma's reign, a shake-up was probably necessary. So first of all, Ramaphosa amalgamated the domestic and foreign services and brought them into the presidency. That's all fine. Um, but that review, uh, the high-level review panel led by former minister and national security advisor to Ramaphosa, Sidney Mufamadi, was a far more considered piece of work than the draft bill nonsense rubbish that we are faced with now. And of course, once Montasha and Chaveni and others have cleared foreigners and foreign money out of the way, they'll still have to deal with the media and reporters and editors who may now think this is not really a sexy story, it's not about them, are dead wrong. This is all about a failing, thin-skinned state not being able to stand criticism, investigation or exposure. Imagine the journalism we do now without foreign financial assistance. Imagine Amabungani without need money. Daily Maverick and the Mail and Guardian, they'd all be threatened. And trust me, once Mantasha has gotten rid of the NGOs keeping him in court over everything from oil exploration to car powership, and investigative journalists start creating trouble for him as well, then he'll come for them too. It isn't Mantasha that's the problem. He's just an actor in an old play. Nationalists are always heroes when they win power. Everything will finally just be perfect. The people shall govern, if only. Complexity always undoes nationalists because they think in very simple terms, both about power and how to get things done. Complexity is completely bewildered and shattered, the ANC. They thought running this country was going to be easy. Shame, man. Poor old Jacob Zuma had to be reminded more than once that the struggle he'd spent his whole life fighting for, and which the press during apartheid had called, much to his delight, majority rule, was in fact anything but. Anything but. Fact is here, the constitution rules. We have a constitutional democracy. The apartheid government had a parliamentary democracy. Didn't anyone spot that? But late now. Until, of course, it doesn't. The draft intelligence bill typically tries to conflate the state with the government. Unfortunately, it's been written by idiots, and more, more likely than not, won't survive legal challenge. The thing to do, though, is to get the nationalists 
out of power before they stop caring what the courts say. Nationalists can be racial or regional or ethnic. But under pressure, nationalists almost always turn back to how they were oppressed or how they were oppressed. And to use the old tools of oppression, of oppression used against them, against the people now that they're supposedly freed. And you can see this creeping up in South Africa. In the courts and the media and civil society generally are still a very effective barrier to a new fascism. But state power is extremely muscular. And we are now in a situation in South Africa where the reality on the ground and the situation in the minds of the cabinet have separated entirely. In their minds, they are preparing a national health insurance scheme, rescuing ESCOM's decaying, decaying coal fleet, bringing dynamic new leadership to our ports. They're right on top of the fourth industrial revolution and missed welfare payments to beneficiaries. Just a blip on the radar, soon be a thing of the past. On the ground, the Treasury is warning that it faces an unprecedented funding crisis. It's now having to raise, listen, it's now having to raise 14 billion rand a week in bonds and at fairly stiff rates of interest against just 2 billion a few months ago. This is because tax revenues have disappeared. People have left and the prices we get paid for our commodities have fallen. Treasury is appealing to government departments not to travel. Don't have parties. Don't employ anybody. Anyone who's worked in the private sector knows what follows this kind of messaging. ESCOM shows no sign at all of improvement. And at Transnet, despite the awarding of a port management concession to a Filipino company for Durban and Cooker two months ago, nothing more has been said or happened. And with an election now rushing at the country, I reckon for May next year, don't expect any heroics from our politicians. Ramaphosa is certainly not going to pick fights uh, with people like Mantasha over NGOs and freedom of speech. So we'll muddle along. The draft intelligence bill will muddle along too, getting changed here and there and uh, uh, along the way as these things happen. And as ministers have to stand up and defend it or explain it in parliamentary committees. And it'll drift inevitably to the Constitutional Court, something else nationalists don't approve of. But at least be warned, there's some bad stuff out there. And it's in the government, not in the huddled masses. And that's it from me this week. Thanks for joining me. And remember, you can hear podcasts from The Edge first on the Financial Mail, and then almost immediately on the Apple and Spotify podcast platforms as well. I hope you listen in when you can. See you all next week. Stay well.